You're listening to Comedy Central. October 14, 2019. From Comedy Central's World News Headquarters in New York, this is The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, Ears Edition. DJ and a producer from a little country called South Africa. Black Coffee is joining us, everybody. It's gonna be a fun conversation. Also on tonight's show, Trump's plan in the Middle East backfires. Neil Brennan explains how to take America back, and we find out which profession has the most sex. So let's catch up (laughs) on today's headlines. Let's begin in the world of marathon running. Most people just run them so that they can brag to their friends about running marathons. Although, that's not why I run them. I, uh, yeah, I do it for the tiny cups of water. Anyway, (laughs) this weekend, one man ran straight into the record books. In Vienna, Austria, a marathon runner from Kenya made history, going the distance in under two hours for the first time. One hour, 59 minutes, and 40 seconds, but it won't be counted as a new world record because it wasn't an official race. All of it stage managed in forensic detail, a specially chosen flat six mile circuit in Vienna. Kipchoge wore the much debated white Nike Vaporflies. And there was an army of three dozen pacers, some of the world's best marathoners who took turns pounding the grueling four minute and 34 second mile pace in formation. Together we have made history. Wow, that is amazing. Elliot Kipchoge ran a marathon in less than two hours, which was thought to be physically impossible. And you know this guy's a freak uh, athlete because, I mean, like, he kept running after he crossed the finish line. That was insane. <laughs> like, usually when someone finishes a marathon, they're like, ah, I did it. And my nipples fell off, but I did it. <laughs> and this guy's just like, that was a great warm-up. Now for the race, uh, what are we doing, huh? Are we ready? I love how some people are now saying that the only reason he broke this record is because he had on special Nike running shoes. Yeah, you know what? Why don't you go get those shoes and you tell me how fast your time is? Go, we'll wait. Go get those shoes. Come on, you can't give the shoes credit. You can't give the shoes the credit. If anything, him being Kenyan is the cheating part. That's being unfair. Yeah. He wasn't like, oh my God, I'm wearing these Nikes. It's more like the Nikes were like, oh my God, we're wearing a Kenyan. We're gonna win. We're gonna win. Moving on, having a baby changes your life. You have to take care of it for 18 years or until Maury tells you you're not the father. (laughs) And apparently with great responsibility comes great amounts of paperwork. Bringing home baby can be overwhelming, but now expecting couples are creating baby prenups or contracts to help ease the stress. A baby prenup is an agreement made between both parents where they know what their roles will look like, what their duties may be like once the baby arrives so that there's no surprises. We signed the document with witnesses. Some things that we included were things like grandchild and grandparent access, as well as financial implications. Yes, the newest fad in white people child rearing is (laughs) baby prenups. And look, I'm just gonna put it out there. If you need your partner to sign a prenup that they're gonna help you raise a kid, maybe you don't wanna raise a kid with that person. Uh, Because how are you even gonna enforce that? 
right? Or you're just gonna come home like, hey, did you feed the kid? No, then I'll see you in court. <laughs> I think it's becoming too stressful to become friends with couples who have babies these days. First it was baby showers. Then it became gender reveal parties. Now I've gotta be a witness to your prenup signing. <laughs> like if I'm gonna be this big part of your baby life, then I should have a say in whether or not you have one. Like the couple should have to phone friends and be like, hey, Trevor, we're thinking of having a baby. I'll be like, actually guys, I'm trying to focus on my career right now. <laughs> I can't be friends with like a couple who has a baby. I'm sorry. <laughs> baby prenup. You know who should sign baby prenups? Babies. <laughs> Yeah, they're the ones who should make guarantees. Before they come out, they need to put in writing what they're gonna do or not do. You only cry between 4 and 5 a.m., not the whole night. You know, you're only gonna shit yourself this many times in a day. Yeah, it would be great if they signed a contract. Then when the baby's, like, losing their minds at, like, 2 a.m., you can just show them the contract. They'll be like, wah, wah, and you're like, ah, 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 and the baby's like, ah, I'll see you in a few hours, <laughs> Oh, and speaking of babies, uh, let's talk about how they're made. Well, guess who's having a field day in the sheets? A new study shows <laughs> farmers have the most sex out of any other profession, on average having sex at least once a day. 67% of them rate their performance as incredible. <laughs> sex experts say it's because farmers are likely to be more fit than desk-bound city dwellers and have more stamina. Farmers were closely followed by architects and hairdressers for having the most sex. At the bottom of the list, journalists. Yeah, that's right. Apparently, of all the professions, farmers have the most sex and journalists have the least. <laughs> Which doesn't shock me, all right? In this era, journalists don't have time to be having sex because Trump is always breaking news. <laughs> I bet every time journalists try and set the mood, they'll be at home, like, lighting candles. They'll be like, baby, it's time. Womp, womp, womp. I've been really trying to build this wall. God damn it, he did it again. <laughs> and as for the farmers, like, of course, they have a lot of sex. Farming is a sexy profession. Think about it. All day, what do they do? Plowing, huh? <laughs> Planting seeds. Growing eggplants. <laughs> watering vagina trees. Yeah. <laughs> although, although, I will say, they didn't say farmers are having sex with people. Yeah. They just said they have the most sex. All I'm saying is, scarecrows don't need to have mouths. That's what I'm saying. All right, that's it for the headlines. Let's move on to our top story. It's now been three weeks since the Democrats began an official impeachment inquiry into President Trump's dealings with Ukraine. And since then, things haven't only gotten worse for Trump, They've also gotten worse for Rudy Giuliani, Trump's personal attorney and man who celebrates Halloween all year round. <laughs> because since the scandal broke, law enforcement has started looking into Rudy's world. And it turns out some of his acquaintances are really shady. Good evening, everyone. The arrests of two associates of Trump lawyer Rudy Giuliani on campaign finance violations may be shedding new light tonight on foreign efforts to influence American politics. The two men arrested at Dulles Airport where they were about to leave the country on one-way tickets. The pair also figure in the impeachment inquiry and those shadowy efforts to draw Ukraine into investigating Joe Biden. Wow, this is crazy. Rudy Giuliani has friends? <laughs> I didn't see that coming. <laughs> and, you know, I've always wondered, this is random, but do people who look like criminals become criminals? <laughs> or do people who become criminals start to look like criminals? <laughs> like, I, I genuinely wonder that. 
because these are the two shadiest looking dudes I have ever seen. It's almost like, hey, FBI, why did you think these guys were criminals? They're like, uh, basically we looked at them and that's how we cracked the case. And aside from being born with resting mugshot face, probably the biggest red flag with these guys was that they were buying a one-way ticket out of the country, which is always suspicious, right? The only people who buy one-way tickets are criminals and skydivers, that's it. <laughs> and it must've been really embarrassing as well, being arrested in an airport in front of all the other passengers, you know? The only silver lining would be if you were arrested and you were about to fly on Spirit Airlines. <laughs> Spirit Airlines, if you're lucky, they'll arrest you at the gate. Now, it's not just Bebop and Rocksteady who are in trouble with the law. It turns out their boss, Krang, also has drawn the attention of the FBI. We have breaking news tonight. Yet again, it pertains to the president's lawyer and all-around sidekick, Rudy Giuliani. The feds are, quote, investigating whether President Trump's personal lawyer, Rudolph Giuliani, broke lobbying laws in his dealings in Ukraine. The president appearing to distance himself from his own attorney at the White House. Well, I don't know. I haven't spoken to Rudy. I spoke to him yesterday briefly. Uh, he's a very good attorney, and he has been my attorney. Yeah, sure. Whoa, 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 wait, 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 what? I haven't spoken to Rudy. I spoke to him yesterday. <laughs> Donald Trump is all over the place. He's like the golem of presidents. He's just like, we have not spoken to Trixie Rudy's. Oh, he speaks to Rudy's all the time. <laughs> all the time. He calls Ukraine to get the precious. Now, in a normal administration, an impeachment inquiry would be enough drama on its own. But the Trump presidency is like a Black Friday sale happening at the Fire Festival. Pure chaos. <laughs> because while all this impeachment stuff is tearing America apart, Trump is causing just as much mayhem overseas. It all started last week when he made an abrupt decision to pull troops out of Northern Syria, which everyone slammed, right? Republicans, Democrats, Fox News, even the Joker was like, all right, I love chaos, but this shit is insane. <laughs> Well, now it turns out the thing everyone warned Trump would happen is happening. This morning, chaos in Syria as President Trump orders all remaining U.S. forces to leave the north of the country. Turkish forces hammering America's Kurdish allies with the help of radical Islamist militias. The escalating violence now forcing 100,000 people from their homes. Turkish artillery also exploding just 250 yards from an American special forces post on the border. It appears Turkey used alleged terrorists as shock troops against U.S. allies, the Kurds, until they collapsed and had to call on President Assad to be their savior. Amid this chaos, ISIS is trying to regroup. Hundreds of ISIS members and supporters have broken free of detention camp. Sweet Jesus. Donald Trump is the only person who can find a way to make the Middle East more chaotic. Turkey invading, Kurds fleeing, ISIS escaping. Like the Middle East was already a geopolitical Jenga tower with everyone trying to figure out the right move. And then Donald Trump comes in, he's like, what if we move the whole table? <laughs> and Trump, Trump has justified his decision to pull out of Syria by saying that this is all part of his larger plan to bring American troops back home. And that makes sense, right? What doesn't make sense is that home seems to be another country in the Middle East. 
And as U.S. troops have been pulled back from the border area of northern Syria, President Trump is sending an additional 2,800 Americans to Saudi Arabia. The Pentagon deploying fighter squadrons and two Patriot batteries and other aircraft to bolster Saudi defenses. This comes in response to last month's attacks on Saudi oil facilities that the White House has blamed on Iran. We are sending troops and other things to the Middle East to help Saudi Arabia. But are you ready? Saudi Arabia, at my request, has agreed to pay us for everything we're doing. That's a first. Yeah, yeah, he's right, that is a first. I don't think America has ever rented out its military before. Like, that is a wild thing. He's sending the military and other things. What are the other things? Does anybody ask? <laughs> Nobody? What is, like, what is, did he just, like, sneak Eric into the shipment? <laughs> he's just like, you take this and Eric, dead. why am I, shut up, Eric, go now. <laughs> It's weird that you can rent out America's military. You know what I would do if I was Mexico? I would raise a bunch of money and then I would hire America's military to do a coup on itself. Yeah, then the people would just be like, Mr. President, our military's taking over the White House. You'd be like, I know, and who's gonna pay for it? Mexico. <laughs> so, Trump says he's done with the Middle East. But in the same breath, he says he's sending new troops to the Middle East, which is really confusing. So to help us clear things up, we go now to our senior war correspondent reporting live from the Middle East, Desi Lydic, everybody. <laughs> this administration seems to have very mixed messages about America's role in the Middle East. There's only one message I'm getting, Trevor, and it's dear world, America first, prayer hands emoji, bald eagle emoji, America. <laughs> President Trump is just fulfilling his promise to pull U.S. troops out of the Middle East. And you know what? It's refreshing. A lot of men say they'll pull out, but they don't. <laughs> Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me seven times, I have seven kids now. But, but Desi, but Desi, even though this was one of Trump's promises, you have to admit that his decision has turned the Middle East into a total shit show. Oh, Trevor, the Middle East has always been a shit show. It's like a Waffle House after 1 a.m. Like, it's not America's job to get involved. You have the Kurds, the Turks. It's such a nuanced, complicated situation. It's not something America can solve. Okay, but if that's America's position, then why send thousands of troops to Saudi Arabia? Because, Trevor, it's the Middle East. It's America's job to get involved. <laughs> yeah, it has so much potential. It's like a Waffle House at 8 a.m. You have Sunni Muslims fighting, Shia Muslims. It, it's a very nuanced, complicated situation that only America can solve. De Desi, it seems to me like Trump is simultaneously pushing isolationist and interventionist policies in the Middle East. No, 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 no. That's crazy. I mean, that's impossible. It's like being a, a person that's black and white at the same time. It's impossible. Well, actually, I, that's... It's not Im impossible. Uh, see, Trevor, here's what you need to understand. Trump promised to get America out of the Middle East, which he's done in Syria. And now, by going into Saudi Arabia, he has another opportunity to pull America's troops out of the Middle East, delivering on his promise twice. Because you can't pull them out if you don't keep thrusting them back in. Just again and again and again. All right, thank, thank you. Th again. Thank you, thank you, Desi. Thank you, Desi. Thank you so much. Desi Lydic, everyone. We'll be right back. Make sense, does it? It, it, it doesn't make sense. Welcome back to the 
Daily Show. Donald J. Trump has shaken Washington to its core by refusing to recognize the power of Congress to impeach him, which is amazing. Because they were like, we're subpoenaing, and he was like, no, I don't care. Donald Trump has the confidence of a white woman pulled over by the cops. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, ma'am, I need to see your license. It's like, well, I need to see you get out of my face and give me your badge number, mister. <laughs> the question is, why does the president think he can get away with this? Well, for more perspective, we turn to a man who gets away with things all the time. Neil Brennan, everybody. <laughs> Neil. Everyone is perplexed. Why doesn't Trump seem to respect any of America's institutions? I'll tell you why, buddy. Because Trump doesn't think he got elected. Trump thinks he bought America. <laughs> and now our whole country is just some business he owns. That's why he doesn't understand all these in investigations. Imagine if you bought a Quiznos, then a week later you find out you're being impeached by the guy who spreads the mayonnaise. <laughs> oh, come on, Neil. Neil, I, I know Trump is extreme, but there's no way he thinks you can buy a country. Dude, he tried to buy Greenland eight weeks ago. <laughs> And it wasn't even for sale. <laughs> He's just so out of his mind that he looks at the globe the way the rest of us look at Zilla. <laughs> I'm telling you, Trump doesn't think he works for America. He thinks he owns it. Listen to how he talks. My generals and my military. My economy is phenomenal. And I told my guys at NASA, all I know is I want to put my miners back to work. My farmers, I love my farmers. Uh, look at my African-American over here. Look at him. Wow. The last president to say, look at my African-American was Thomas Jefferson on a date. Wow. <laughs> wow, Neil. Okay, so, so, so Trump thinks he bought America, and that explains all of his behavior? Now you're getting it, my African-American. <laughs> I'm just African, but yeah. Trevor, Trump thinks everyone in the country works for him. It's why he's sending his attorney general around the world to focus on his personal vendettas. Trump thinks the attorney general is generally his attorney. I bet when Trump met the Secretary of Transportation, he was like, great, so you're the guy who calls my Ubers? Yeah, yeah. Okay, but that doesn't explain why Trump ignores the Pentagon's advice on, like, Turkey and Syria. It completely explains it. From Trump's point of view, it's like, why is my military in Syria? I'm not in Syria. <laughs> I'm in America. And that's where he wants the military, in America, doing two things, having big, beautiful parades and blocking Mexicans at the border like a camouflage hodor. So this is how Trump sees everything? Yeah, man. It's why he hates the press so much. He's like, why is the White House press corps talking shit about the White House? To him, it's a betrayal. It would be like if you hired a DJ for your wedding, and when you and your wife came in, he was like, Chris and Jennifer, probably not gonna make it. <laughs> 18 months tops. Beer, 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 beer. All right, all right, Neil. So, so if Trump thinks he bought America, then is there anything that people can do? Yes, but we'll have to turn to America's most reliable institution, Kickstarter. <laughs> we pool our money and buy America back from Donald Trump. Dude, that is going to cost. It's going to cost. So, like that is so much money. I don't. How, how do people afford that? 
Here's the good news, buddy. If America truly is a Trump property, eventually it's going to plummet in value and we can buy it back for pennies on the dollar. Bad news is there's going to be KFC buckets and spray tan juice everywhere. Neil Brennan, everyone. We'll be right back. My guest tonight is a music producer and DJ from South Africa who has a new single out with Usher called La La La. Please welcome Black Coffee. Thank you. (laughs) DJ Black Coffee. Yes, sir. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. This is, you know what, it's truly, truly, truly one of my pleasures to have you on the show because um, you have taken the world by storm. I remember when you first blew up in South Africa, you know, everyone was just black coffee, black coffee, there's this guy, this black guy, black guy, black coffee, black coffee, black coffee, black coffee. And I was like, who is he? What, is it coffee, is it a drink? Is there a new drink that's out? What is going on? And I was like, no, there's a DJ and he's huge. And then you went from South Africa and you went into the world and you've taken it by storm. Why do you think you have blown up as much as you have all over the world. Doesn't it sound like your story? My story? Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. You think so? Um, no, 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 no. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, um, man, it's resilience, you know? Um, it's knowing hunger and knowing that you have experienced it and you don't want to go back there. Wow. Um, it's working from nothing, knowing that you have nothing to lose. So whatever you gain is something. Um, that, that is what has kept me going. That is what has gotten me to where I am today. What I, what I also loved about your journey and I've always enjoyed is that like in South Africa and in Africa and many countries around the world, there was always um, an instinct for people to aspire to create like an American or to, or to create like a European. Yep. What set Black Coffee apart for me was you made the music of Africa, the music of South Africa, and the world fell in love with that. Was that like a specific choice you made where you're like, I'm not gonna make European dance music, I'm just no. gonna make my music and it's gonna be big in the world? De- definitely, and it, it hasn't been easy, you know. Um, because sometimes there's hype that comes with the name and then you get a big room. Right. Because the name is so big and then, but the music is, is so maybe too soulful for the room. Oh, you right, know, right, right. Um, so we've been through different phases trying to build uh, that sound and um, it took patience. Yeah. You know, it took a, a, lot, a lot of time. It, looked, it took a, a good team behind me and it took love for what I do, man, to, to really push. It really is soulful. I remember at uh, Coachella, I was so excited when I saw your name on the list of artists who were gonna be performing. And, you know, a lot of people think, like when it was dance, I remember my friends, I was like, guys, let's go to Black Coffee. And they were like, what, what is, what is, no, I want coffee with milk. I was like, no, this again, no. Cause everyone thinks that as soon as you say, do you like Black Coffee? People are like, ah, oh, a bit of sugar, a bit of, no. <laughs> DJ Black Coffee. And, and so we went to, we went to the tent that you were playing in. Yeah. And my friend said to me, he's like, man, I'm not a big fan of like EDM. I'm not a fan of dance. I was yeah. like, no, it's, it's different. You're dancing to it, but it's not. Cause people always think of like, that's what people think of. 
Yeah. Whereas yeah. Your, your music has, a, and I'll never forget, the whole tent was just like, I mean, you had like a thousand people just like bouncing no, together. Really it was, you know what I mean? It was yeah. Africa in the middle of California, black, white, everyone, everyone dancing man. to your music. That's what I love. That's what yeah, I really no, it was really beautiful. It was really beautiful. You, you, you've done something really special for me though, or in my opinion, and that is you've taken the success of your music and you've used it to inspire a new generation in South Africa. You started a project where you are building a school, yeah. but I think more impressive, you're building a neighborhood. Yeah. What is that about and why? Um, we, we're trying to, and I'm gonna say we, because I'm working with, with, with other people. It's myself, it's Nelson Magamu, who was here before. Right, the artist, yeah. Yeah, it's Laduma Ngogolo, uh, who was coming. Right, the designer, yes. Yeah, yeah you had, he's coming, right? What, are you warning me? I'm telling you. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's coming to this show. <laughs> um, we, we try to change the narrative about the continent where maybe it is our fault where we, we always seen Africa as an inferior place. Um, all the best things were on TV, which means that we're here in America right. or in Europe. And it took away so much from the continent and we're trying to reverse that and, and, and create a space in Africa that will inspire Africans to want to stay and create a future. Right, it's powerful. It really is powerful. Because you have, you, you have this initiative and it's called Africa is not a jungle. Yeah. And what I love about it is you say, it's about Africans creating for Africans and not always looking to yeah. Europe to create for them. Yes, sir. Which is a powerful statement to make. When you look at your journey as Black Coffee, I mean, you went out into a very competitive world. DJing is not like an easy thing to just break into, especially when you have a different sound. What happened to you DJing? What, me DJing? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I used to DJ. I know. I, used to, I actually used to create music as well. And then I sent you a few samples and uh. nothing has... <laughs> I mean, I'm glad you brought it up, not me. Um, but I, I mean, I, I sent a few. No one has ever gotten back to me about is my... This, is this water? It's, yeah, it's, I mean, it's, yeah. We, there's nothing in here, but we can act like we're drinking. <laughs> just to get rid of the awkward situation. <laughs> but, uh... but yeah, what, like... What do you hope to achieve with the music around the world? You know, because I, I, I've always been intrigued by the message that you have when you're playing your music. We see you collaborating with people like Drake. We see you, you know, uh, people like Usher. We see, we see yeah. artists who you wouldn't even associate with this genre saying, no, yeah. I love Black Coffee because of his message and how it pertains to music as an art form. What are you trying to accomplish all over the world with your music? Um, Af Africa has a voice. And over the years, I feel like that voice has diminished because of how um, the world has painted the continent. You know, one of the things that used to happen with me uh, when I would get bookings back in the day, they would want to put like bongos and African masks on the flyer. Wow. You know, uh, because I'm from Africa. Right. So. We all wear masks and have bongos. <laughs> you know, so. <laughs> It's something that we really fought for from the beginning to say, look, we want to play on the global stage. Right. You know, uh, which is what you're doing. Right, right, right. You know, um, I, I would like to, for the world to see that voice. I would like for the world to know that we are capable um, to be on the world stage 
This is why I continue to try and collaborate with the greatest artists, being from Africa though, and still keeping the sound that I believe in. Right. Because we have that voice. You know, so I'm trying to create different platforms that will showcase that, not just conversation, but with action. You're doing it every single day, my friend. Thank you, Thank you so much for being on the show. The single, La 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 with Usher, is available now. You want to follow this man, Black Coffee, everybody. The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, ears edition. Watch The Daily Show weeknights at 11, 10 Central on Comedy Central and the Comedy Central app. Watch full episodes and videos at thedailyshow.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And subscribe to The Daily Show on YouTube for exclusive content and more. This has been a Comedy Central podcast.